I'm Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. If you would like to see this episode along with other exclusive content, make sure you become a patron by going to our Box Number 512 podcast Patreon page where you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month. The link to the page is in the show notes for this show. So make sure you go on over there if you would like to see the episode in addition to listening to it. All right, y'all. Back to the show. Hey. Welcome hey, to another uh, installment of Box Number Five Soul Podcast. I am your co-host Aeon, and I'm the Lioness. So let's start with updates. I will go first. So I had a lovely Valentine's Day three slash President's Day weekend. Although I did not have a Valentine, I don't think I've ever had a Valentine since our transition. Mm-hmm. This year, considering all the circumstances, I'm in a much better place emotionally. I've, I also, I think I started my meds last week, my psych meds. So, like, I'm oh, just that I'm in a way better mood. But I, I had a good Valentine's Day, even though I didn't. Have, well, I'm not gonna say I didn't have anybody to share it with because I had some company in the days before Valentine's Day, and yeah. then I had. I had my little company after Valentine's Day, but as far as love and somebody, I don't have anybody like that romantically in my life, but I was able to talk to my mom and um, just has share um, space with my mom. Also, shout out to Shia Diamond, who organized a room for the trans women on Clubhouse. So I was up all night the night before Valentine's Day, um, talking shit on Clubhouse with the other ladies. And I also, then I went to sleep for a little bit and I woke up and we got back in the room and I just thanked her for creating a space just for us as single trans women to come together and just love on each other and just kind of distract because Valentine's Day can be triggering for trans women, especially if you haven't had a whole bunch of great romance experiences. So, but I'm glad that we were able to come together and just be on sisterhood and key and love on each other. Also, shout out to y'all who came through to my single heart celebration on Instagram Live. That was a success in my opinion. We key, we listened to music. I drank a whole bottle of wine. I got my life. And I'm thinking about doing something every Sunday where we just get on live and listen to music and uh, drink and just just have a good time and just enjoy each other's company so I don't I don't have a formal name for it I just want to get get on and just curate a vibe and uh just listen to music so thank y'all for those of y'all who came and commented and came on camera and interacted I had a good time honey. I had a good time uh and shout out to all of the trans couples on Valentine's Day and all of that. I hope to have a Valentine soon. I, f- I feel some love energy coming into my life. There's been a lot of men putting their bid in. I just want somebody that's consistent and I want a man of action. I want a, I want a man with a plan who's going to say, I want to do this. I want to take you out. I want to see. Just, I need a man with a plan. So I'm manifesting that into my life and we will see what happens. Sis, what are your updates? Well, I want to say, first of all, shout out to the man with the plan. Shout out to the man with the plan. I don't know who he is, but you're going to have quite a Neither lucky... Neither do I. <laughs> you're going to be quite a lucky young man. But um, to that point, um, so my week um, since we last talked has been fine. Um, very, very hectic. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of community work lately, and so... You know, it's it's been a lot. It's been a lot managing a lot of new personalities and new people, and you know, just excited to be be out and again and engaging with girls. But just you know, processing also like, you know, now that you're engaging, what does it look like to deal with other people's mental health, and just remembering also to check in on myself. So that's been something. Um, but other than that, just 
like, but besides what I do, you know, the work part of life and the, and the stuff that we do and the, you know, to move on in life, I'm just been relaxing. I mean, COVID kind of makes things this revolving cycle. Um, so you don't really get a lot of variation in your day. Um, and so then um, I've been trying to do more working out. I have um, been eating healthier up to that point. For those of you who will, will be watching, I have this wonderful salad that my husband prepared with some chicken here. And I will be trying to eat because I'm trying to eat healthier for the new year. Just not even for weight loss or vanity, just on some... I didn't like that my doctor mentioned that my blood pressure might have been a little elevated the last time. And it's not something, she said it's something we're going to monitor. But in the meantime, a bitch is like, okay, well, we're going to change these eating habits. Like, right. maybe, maybe one too many wings during the COVID. So let me pull back. So I've been trying to be a little healthier. Other than that, um, shit. Just, um, you know, kind of fucked up about how the world's going. This weather has been a mess. Um, I know yesterday down here in Atlanta, it was in the 20s and it was like wintry mix weather. Um, it was kind of kind of crazy, especially particularly because we're not really used to handling that. But um, yeah, just my heart is out for I have some friends and acquaintances that are in Texas. And so just shout out to everyone in Texas that I know I love. I've been thinking about you. Um, you know, Trump was um, you know, acquitted, bitch. And I, and that kind of, not that I didn't think it would happen, but I was just surprised about how many Republican senators were told the line and then the backlash for the other senators that, um, you know, that did actually do their, their civic duty and vote to impeach this man. Um, so, yeah, um, my week has been fine other than that. Just What did you do for Valentine's Day, girl? Oh, right. That, well... It was a busy, um, I, so I had a lot of, I had a lot of um, work kind of workish kind of things to do. And so okay. I wasn't, I really wasn't, I really didn't do a lot for Valentine's Day. I did have sex and I did drink wine and I did watch a movie with my boo. And that's all I could pretty much get in because I, I was swamped that weekend. Yes, honey. Let the people know you got love in you. Because the people was asking for you. When I said she's with her man, honey. She's a married woman. Oh, honey, yes. Now he was day. a little heated. And I think now. And this is and this is where we have to work on, ladies. For those of you out here who do have men, you know, work-life balance is a real thing. And so, you know, now that I'm pushing more towards my goals in life and my objectives, I find myself not being as present for him as I would like to be. Um, and I think even though he was so great now for Valentine's Day in the morning, he made me breakfast in bed. Then in the, you know, he made lunch, and then he also cooked dinner. But in the meantime, I was on busy, so busy working and on calls and managing what I do that I completely, you know, wasn't able to be as present for him as I would have liked. And that kind of made me feel bad. And even though he's a good sport and he didn't complain, I don't want to, I have to remember that going forward, I want to, because I felt guilty. It wasn't even something that he said, but I just know, you know, I just want to be, he's a good, good man. And I want to be really, really, um, better about being um being there for him on special occasions because he's always very much there for me and usually i am but i just felt a little guilt this year well girl every day is a new opportunity to to get it right i mean so that that actually ended up faster than i thought it would so we don't really have a topic for today we're just going to try in the spirit of keep... Oh, before I get into the topic, um, we're trying to work on a bonus video for our Patreon listeners for the month of February. I'm thinking I want to do a video detailing one of my relationships from earlier in my transitions from the early 20s. So I can just tell you about that story, which does have a middle, a beginning, middle, and the end. So please be on the lookout for that. I want to try to, we got to get to, we got to coordinate our schedules, but I want to try to get that out at least by, if not this weekend, next Monday. So just be on the lookout for that for all of our Patreon users. If you are a level three uh, Patreon user, which costs $10 a month, one of the perks is that you get access to bonus episodes that will only be on Patreon. So we did not forget about you guys on mm-hmm. Patreon. Also for, um, I like what you said earlier, just touching back on something you mentioned earlier, sis, 
I like the idea of us doing the Sunday wine mix or whatever we're going to call it. Um, just us getting together and kind of like socializing and being cute and us getting on the call and having a moment. And I um, shout out to the listeners that were, were, that were thinking about the lioness. And we thought it was very appropriate that, you know, the single lady on our podcast have an opportunity on Valentine's Day to represent for the singles. Um, but I do think it's a wonderful idea going forward that we um, we do this podcast. I mean, we do this Sunday, fun day, whatever we call it, <laughs> where we kind of socialize. Because I do think the podcast could benefit from seeing us in like uh, our club, laughy, jokey, kind of high, you know, that kind of way, you know? Right, right. So. So, so getting to the main topic of today's show, I want us, well, not me, not me, because I wasn't, I wasn't there, but I am intrigued and I'm enthralled by this topic. I want you, Lioness, to educate, educate the girls and take the girls back to the Darlingtons. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so y'all, just to give me a little context. And take your time. production sister. meeting. I'm glad I have some blunts roll for this journey. <laughs> In our pre-production meeting, guys, we talked about how um, she said she was going to surprise me with the topic. Well, I can take off these earrings then, girl, because this is the Darlington. I was <laughs> like, this is, I would, yeah, I should have gave y'all a little more ratchet fish. But the Darlington's, and it's a part of my life that has been very, very interesting um, for those of you who don't live in Atlanta, the Darlingtons is a an apartment complex that pretty much is all studios. There may be an occasional one-bedroom and two-bedroom, but it's a former office building that was converted into kind of like, or it may have even been a hotel that was converted into a apartment complex. So think old building. So think old antique building, like old furnishings from a, an era of a time gone by. Think like really antique old furnishings and what looked to be like an old antique hotel lobby. This is a, um, now it was, the Darlington is still existence. And as far as I know, I heard that they were bulldozing it, but as far as I know, last I seen, it was still in existence and it's on. Didn't they kick everybody out of the Darlington's? Huh? Didn't they kick everybody out? See, I, I've heard stories of it, but then again, I still see the building. So I don't know what the state of the building is, but I'm just saying the building is still there. Um, anyway, I used to live in the Darlington's. I've done several stints. So this building is on Piedmont, on Peachtree on P, on P Street, Street, not too far from the intersection of Peachtree and Piedmont. Uh, think Justin's. Think Piedmont Hospital. Right in there, there's a CVS. Everybody that, everybody that has ever done a stint in the Darlington, you know what I'm talking about. So this area, the reason why I give that location is because it's not too, too far from the Strolls, the boy beat or the girl beat. It's not too, too far from the healthcare providers. Matter of fact, it's walking distance to Aid Atlanta and all of the like LGBT health providers. It's in Buckhead, not too far from Midtown. So if you can get on a bus, you can get to 10th Street like that. If you want to get to um, want to get there, want to go to the train station, you go to Art Center, and you're already in. You're already there. So, for those of you who know, this is the prime real estate in Buckhead. The homes in that area are millions of dollars. The businesses in that area, the rental spaces, are hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. These, this is we're, we're talking a really high end area, and amongst all of this grandeur and beauty. It's this old slum ass Darlington, honey, and this rundown building. And so, what for what another thing about the Darlington is, is the building you rent used to be when I started going to the Darlington at first, the rent was $5.25 a month. You couldn't beat that, even back in the early thousands. You could not beat $5.25 a month in Buckhead. You couldn't beat it, you can beat that with a stick. And then gradually they went up and up and up. I think the last time I was at the Darlington. We were paying seven something, seven twenty-five, seven fifty. I wasn't paying, and another nigga was. The Darlington also was notoriously loose on their paperwork. Long as you had your money, bitch, them applications was going through. 
And they didn't, so they didn't require that you had to do a lot of background verification. Like, as far as, because they kind of ran like a hotelish in a way that they did, they would just let you pay rent. Like you could pay, they would verify your ID and that you were a, a Georgia, I mean, that you were okay to rent, that you were of age, but they didn't necessarily go into like the deep rental history. They had very high um, application deposits. And then that's just how it was. You just paid the high ass deposit. They ran so, how did you, so were you only allowed to pay your rent in cash or? No, 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 no. You could pay your rent in all the different ways. As a matter of fact, over the years, they started embracing technology and they had it to where you could pay on the internet. Oh, wow. Which was amazing for the stunt queens. Because then now I just, I just need a credit card number and I can pay my rent. Right. And the, the system that they had very much gave like beginning PayPal tea. So it wasn't, it wasn't like super, you know, verified type tea. And anybody could pay the rent. You didn't have to have a special credit card. You put your credit card information on the computer. So bitch, it was just too convenient for the girls, too convenient for our community. And they were very liberal. So all of the girls, the gay boys, if you are black and queer and you have never been to the Darlingtons, even if you didn't live there, you didn't have the true Atlanta experience. Like it's one of those places. The Darlington's is such a motherfucking turn up. What made it a turn up was there were so many trans women, black and Latino trans women in that building that it became the tranny dorms. And Trey used to refer to it as the tranny dorms. The gag would be girl, I would tell a dude, I would meet a guy out and I would say, I live on Peachtree Street. And before I could get it out of my mouth, oh, you stay in the dark. Or the trade will be trying to act like they don't know. They'd never dated the girls before. But on the way home from where you picked me up from and you giving me a ride back home and on the way home, bitch, I'm not having to tell you where I live. You're just driving. Like, you know where I'm going. Like the gag would be, the trade would just, I had a piece of trade that took, let me get that we. We went on a date, I met him out, and then I liked him, so I wanted him to come home. Right. And on the way home, because I caught the bus to the date, I didn't have a car, so I caught the bus to the date, and I met him at the location, he had a car to pick me up, and then we decided to bring it back to the crib. We were on our way back to the crib, and I said, I remember in passing, in the conversation at the table, saying, yeah, I live I live not far from here on P Street. You know, being vague. Right, right. I live on P Street, not far from here. And this was at the Taco Mac. So for those of you who know about Peachtree, it was like over in that Taco Mac-ish area. It wasn't Taco Mac, but it was uh, some other little area at the time. And he was like, yeah, I said, I don't live far from here. And he was like, okay. So we get in the car, we have our little day. It was a, to be honest, it was more hookup than day, but the, we had the preemptive, just in case you crazy, I met you somewhere. But right, right. always to go back. So we went back, we were headed back to the house and Mind you, no, mind you, we get in the car and I'm like, yeah, I live not far from here. And before I could tell him, he pulls out to the light and makes the right. And we just headed up Peace Street. Like, that's normal. Like, and I'm like, wait, you know where I live? He's like, oh, I thought you said, I thought you told me. I was like, no. But mind you, now we're not far from my house. And I'm like, have you seen me before? Do you know me? Like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? And he's like, no, 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 no. I just, nah, where you stay? Where you stay? So now you're trying to act like you don't know. Where you stay? Where you stay? I'm like, girl, just make this right. We're here now. So this is where I live. So apparently you've been here before. No, I ain't never been here. No, I ain't never been here. But the gag would be when your tray would get out with you. You never walked in. First of all, <laughs> you never left your trade unattended in the Darlington. Ever. Ever. Because the Darlington's downstairs had like a restaurant. It had like restaurant, a shoe repair, um, a little tchotchke shop, a hair salon, um, and an actual like a bodega downstairs, all in this same building. So all of the girls, because again, this is the tranny dorm, are patrolling out and about. They're getting their trade to drop them in and off the building. The trade have a have a. It got to the point where the building had to come up with a policy because there was so many men coming in and out of the building, going upstairs, and then the men would come in the building. And if you weren't, that's why you never left. This is why you don't leave your man unattended in the Darlington. Because if you if you let your man come in the building unattended, he would get on the elevator. And there was a, there was an elevator lurkers. The girls, gay boys and girls that would ride in the elevators up and down on the floors, waiting for your trade to get in the elevator so you could poach them to the room. 
it was so concentrated with trans women that literally you had to, if you did trust your trade to get and get through the elevator, you had to be outside of your apartment. Cause mind you, this building it intersects as like a four corners, like a cross. It looked like it used to be like a hospital or an office building. So the building is shaped like this. There are four hallways and the elevators in the middle. You had to literally run off because the trade that we were, I never forget that they would watch the trades and peek down the hallway for the girls that could, that were, I always made sure that when I ran it in the Darlington, that my hallway faced the elevator doors. So okay. that the piece could get off the elevator and come. And right I didn't have to go all the way out or I'll go all the way downstairs. I could just be like, but let me tell you, girl, it got so bad, bitch, you couldn't even do that. That you had to meet him at the door to the building because the building came up with a policy where you had to come in with company. And then every one of your trades, because the, the prostitution was getting so bad, the cops was getting called, because, you know, trade brings criminal activity and robberies right, right. are happening. The girls, one piece of trade robbed four girls in the building. Like, <laughs> like they all let him in. <laughs> right. And if, and if they all know that we are prostitutes and the assumption is, oh, they got money. Exactly. Exactly. And if it's a oh. building full of them, bitch, Girl. they so the sick part would be, ugh, it was just so ugly because you knew that your man had been to this building before. Like it was just like, I, every time I lived in the Darlington, it was only because I was in the desperate situation because that was the building that you just knew it was always going to be some shit going on. And not to mention it had, it was, it was like, infested with roaches and it just kind of was like really rough kind of in, in the way they kept it up but i'm going to tell you some of the funnest moments in my life have been watching people fight in that building watching just the flow of men coming in and out, out of that building if you were a young trans woman you could live there and kind of like just pick up on a piece like it was i can remember just standing at that bus stop in front of the building and like I have met some of the most wonderful men that I've ever met. Matter of fact, two of the richest men that I've ever talked to, I met in front of the darlings. <laughs> can you tell? Can you tell our time, our listeners, like what time period was like the heyday of the Darlingtons? Because we're not we're not talking the twenty tens. We're talking back. The day of the Darlingtons was two thousand and three. To 2010. I'll give it to 2010. Really, no. Nah, I'll say the Darlington's really wasn't bumping from, but from 2000 and maybe 2003. So maybe, no, it was, yeah, 2003 was the peak. So maybe 2006 or eight, 2008. So let's say 2008 to 2010. Reason why I remember is because when I first used to go to the Darlington's, very early on in my transition, I didn't know about it. So I was paying way too much rent for a place in a way hooder place. Because mind you, though the Donington itself had a hood element, it is in the heart of one of the best areas. I was living and paying more money for rent, but I was all the way out in Decatur, not kind of where I am now, but in the hood part of Decatur, um, paying for a really expensive rent. And my commute to work used to be two hours one way using the buses and trains. So when I, when, I, when I discovered that the Darlington existed, it was like a, a haven. And then because it was like not that far from the club, I can remember I left from the Darlington to go to my very first gay club. I met my girlfriend, my good, good girlfriend, Janelle, and her and her girlfriends lived in some student housing around the corner from the Darlington's. But then as each one of them got put out, of the student house. <laughs> they moved <laughs> they moved around the corner to stay in the Darlington. So bitch, before I knew it, all of my friends, even my little circle of beginning friends when I first started, and this is like 19-year-old Samaya, all of my beginning friends lived in that Darlington. So I would ride the, the trains to get to their apartment and I would stay over there all the time, all the time. Cause that was where it was bumping. That was where it was hot. And mind you, if you, even if you didn't, it, let me tell you how many girls, they used to do like ride sharing with the girls to get to the stroll. That's <laughs> <laughs> like low key, 
you could get to the stroll if you just needed to get to the stroll real fast. There were girls that were like, girl, you got some gas money. You arrived. Like very people, it was like it had its own economy, its own underground semi economy. And it, it was just all day and night, 24 hours a day. Because mind you, the working girls, because mind you, this is a buckhead. So the rich men could come, drop their wife off for shopping, swing by the Darlington's, get fucked, go back and pick their wife up and go home. Or they could go to work in one of those buildings or they could go and, you know, be at one of those hotels in Buckhead. This is not far from the Intercontinental in Buckhead or, you know, all of those. This is not even far from Lenox Mall. It's up the street on the same road as Lenox Mall. So you could go turn right and head down and go to Lenox or turn left and head to the neighborhood. So it was sickening to be in that location. All on Peachtree. Now, Peachtree Real Estate, for those of you who know, Peachtree Real Estate is the most expensive real estate in the city. And you could stay on Peachtree for $5.25. <laughs> and they had these big studios. So the studios were kind of like, kind of small, kind of smallish, but they had really, really big closets. So the big hustle in the Darlington was you would rent your closet out to another girl. So, bitch, you would have the main space, the main studio, and then the closet was like half the size of the apartment. Like, the closet was like a huge walk-in closet. So, the mm -hmm. girl would rent and put a twin bed in the closet and rent that out as a secondary space. I was one of those girls. That was a secondary, <laughs> that was a secondary income for me. <laughs> but I lived there with a man I loved in that building. Um, I had a man that I lived with for... God, we almost did a year in there together. Um, I was about to say, it, how did the relationship last that long with with all of those distractions and temptations, like right and there? You, so, at that particular period, okay, there was a period where the Darlington was very liberal, but then, like I said, they started cracking down, and then they started getting harder. They started being a little discriminatory towards the girls, you know, like they had to tighten up on how many girls could get in. They started getting a little more specific with the applications. And so gradually there was this period where there were less girls. There's never not been a girl in the Darlington. I think as long as that building still exists, there'll be some girls living there. But um, there's another building too that's notorious for that, but I, you know, we'll, that's not my story. There's another, <laughs> there's another building close to North Avenue. I'm not going to list the name, but for those of you who know, you know, and that's not my journey. I thankfully have never done a stint in that building. Because now that building, it was the girls, but then they also took like vouchers and things and like um, um, a lot of the nonprofits used it for their like housing programs and things. Girl, we can stop right there, girl. <laughs> we it's right around right. the corner from the largest homeless shelter. Right, and we can stop right there. Uh, that I didn't have a stint in that one. Right. Shout out to those who do no shade, no tea. We I have stories from there, but I never lived there. But I that's not. <laughs> I'm gonna go over back to the Darlingtons because <laughs> at least with the Darlingtons, a bitch either had to have a job or a hustle. You understand? Right. Like, it was no, you couldn't really keep a substance issue and pay dollars in rent because everybody, mind you, there was always a waiting list to get in there. Because, bitch, you know, you can't beat that kind of rent in the city and you're not in a hotel room for that amount of money a month. Yeah. So girls were eating, like the Darlington's would get gagged so bad. The girls would come, stunt the whole application, pay the stunt, you know, pay the money, and they would just stay for a month and then punch. <laughs> and just pay the whole rent, bitch. And they can't even get them because they didn't really verify that much. So, girl. Right. Yeah, that's a loss for y'all. Like, it was to the point where they were kind of running it like a short-term, <laughs> like a short-term situation. But I love that place. I had a wonderful time in that place. I had so much awkward memories in that place. Like, finding my man, like, having a man that I called to come over to my house and then he didn't ever show up to the door. But then I see you later leaving the building. So you really came over and went to somebody else's house? That happened once. You only get gagged once at the Darlington's and then you realize one, if you're going to do dating app sex trade, you really do have to meet them at the door because they just want to get their dick wet. They will stop wherever. 
Right. <laughs> and then two, even if you did have a man, because I mind you, it would be the girls, it ranged from like new transitioners, because I was their very new transitioner pussy. So this is Sans bag, Sans body, just new transitioner. And I used to feel so insecure sometimes because the girls would like the fierce performers would also be in the building. Shout out to the performers. I, I won't speak your name on this call, but a lot of y'all still live or if it if you if it were open, y'all would still be there. Because a lot of the performers lived in that building. So the girls would be treacherous. They would be treacherous. They would have their kids in the hallway. Their, their sons and their kids in the hallway watching to see if they would have kids. And then they would come out in the hallway butt-ass naked. So gag now, I'm this new transitioner trying to live and support myself and go to school and come home. Because, you know, I used to pay my rent with my school check. So, bitch, I'm going to school to come home and I go there and these bitches is literally hooking out the building. So, bitch, they already in the gear. And so now I'm living on the floor with a dominatrix. And, a <laughs> and she keep coming out with her piece out and that's like making it tension. Yes. So... So what did you learn about trans women like living in such close proximity to other uh, black trans women? I learned at a young age that these niggas ain't shit. And I learned that trans women, particularly back then, beauty meant so much, even more so than like what you, what you are, what you do, like beauty meant more. And so for those men that come into that building, I'm sure it was like heaven on earth walk into this building having all this competition and people vying for your attention then on the flip side of that i learned that trans women in groups particularly if it's not focused energy are always on the attack so i've seen the oh i'm a set i'm gonna send my kids to come rob you bitch i've seen the, the knife threats in the in the stairwell i've seen the and these are trans women doing that to each other so i did see in that time period, a lot of trans on trans violence over niggas. And that was disappointing. So I feel when trans, I, what I did learn is, is having that much trans women in one space and a lot of us being traumatized and then us not having the best um, decision making and how that affected the community at large. Cause now you let a nigga in here that's robbing the girls, you know, it was a dude in there that was, you know, sexually assaulting women. They've had more than their fair share. And, you know, I just know that it was the best of times and the worst of times. And I think I hate that 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 that's such an affordable housing option wasn't managed better and wasn't and wasn't a safer place. Because I do feel like while I enjoyed my stay there, I knew I could never feel safe. I knew that if I knew that regularly at night, somebody would try my doorknob to see if it was open. Like niggas would just walk down the hallways trying knobs to see if a girl left her door unlocked. Mm -hmm. So it gave very dangerous tease. I don't want to make it like it was all roses. It was dangerous, but it was fun as fuck because usually in the world, particularly when you're black and trans, you have this anxiety around navigating, particularly and seeing strange men. What made it awesome was even the niggas that lived in that building, it was so many trans women you already knew what it was. So if you were going to live here, you could not be transphobic. Right. Like, because then the girls will cut you. Then the girls will beat your ass. A lot of houses was being run out of the Darlington. Like, trans houses, like, you know, like our community ballroom houses. A lot of house mothers, shout out to the house mothers, were running their houses in the building. So, bitch, you can imagine how many kids, and then now, like, you know, it's, four kids from the same house staying in the building and the mother stays in the building. So she got three kids staying with her and each one of them got three, four people staying with them. The whole, right. you know, it was, that building was just such a gayborhood that in its own little microcosm, because again, you didn't have to leave. You could go to the store, you could get Chinese food, you could get groceries, all of that in the building. You get your hair done. I used to get my hair done. I forget his name, but he used to be this gay boy that do all the tea in the building. And I would let him do my hair. And he used to be the fierce gay boy that was really on virgin hair. Before it was when you bought it in the bundle and they had to explain to you what it was. Mm -hmm. And your hairstylist was like, they had this magic hair that they would pull out. And it was just this regular 1B curly, 
<laughs> you know, right. like very like deep, very deep, regular deep way. Like this is all, this is the best hair in the world. And they would be trying to have clientele where all of their clients only bought their hair. And the Darlington's, because it had all those girls in there, it also had a lot of LGBT employees. And this particular stylist employed the girls sometimes too to work in the salon. So it was just a really, really um, exciting at times. It was an exciting time. I know some girls though that could give you some really fierce stories. Um, I have some friends that if we were still friends, I have one particular friend in particular, if we were still friends, I would have to have called her in so she could tell you at least five of her most exciting stories. Because my good girlfriend that I used to have when we fell out, she really, 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 really lived the Darlington. Like I popped in and out. She lived the Darlington. I don't think that's, I think that's the most stable place she ever lived in Atlanta. So yeah, it was, a, it was the best of times and the worst of times, bitch. I will say, if I could do it all over again, I would definitely live there. I met some wonderful pieces, bitch. I don't think I've ever met pieces like I have since then. Like, thankfully, I met my husband. God is good, and I'm good, and God is amazing. But, girl, you and this was like Backstreet Day. So you got to think 2003 was around the time Backstreet's got closed. So, mind you, I'm living in here in, like, the heart of gay Atlanta, in the heart, in the, excuse me, in the heyday of gay Atlanta. Before everybody was flocking down to Atlanta. Well, girl, and even when the gay days, and even it was so went back when Atlanta was like the party place and Buckhead was the party spot. When you could go and walk down the street just in some booty shorts and it was a party, bitch. By the time you get to Benihana's and you get down there by um, Justin's, oh, girl. It's, it's on. It's on, bitch. You don't even have to go inside. you just walking up the street and the clubs, well, people would be drinking and falling out into the streets. I remember that Buckhead. The Buckhead where people would get stabbed and shot every night, girl. But she was excited to be in the mix, bitch. You'd be in the, in the streets dancing and then the shots rang out, bitch, and you got to do the Tina Turner back home and all you had to do is punch right up a few blocks. <laughs> it used to be so tea. <laughs> But those days are gone. They shut Atlanta down. They shut Buckhead down. That was a part of that big Atlanta rebrand. They shut Buckhead down. Well, not that it shut down. There's still a lot of partying in that area, but it's nothing like what it is. It's, it's, it's gentrified. There, you know it, girl. It's not the it, black metropolis. It's not the black party metropolis like it once was. And I think I had read an article before we got on a show. I remember seeing a new... Because uh, how I got interested in how I'm just, you know, I just love our trans people and our trans community. But many trans women that I know that were that lived in Atlanta during that time, like if we just got on a phone call and I said, the Darlington's bitch, it's like an overflow. Like every trans woman that was in, particularly that was in Atlanta in through the 2000s era and maybe even the late 90s, knows about the Darlingtons and I just think it's such an important part of our history that people don't even know that people don't and that we need to hear more stories about and hear about the the people that lived in the Darlingtons and just share like share those even even though you said it wasn't always the best situation and clearly it sounds like a lot of the girls in there were in poverty which you know it this was the 2000s, but there was still joy and a lot of being it. around each other. And I just it think- was sitting in the parking lot. It was the after it was the let out after the club where all the kids would just come to that parking lot just to hang out. It was because this parking lot, this building, mind you, it used to be probably like an office building or something. Because it mind you, the parking lot for this building, it's it's a it's a it's a cross. And it's parking lots in each one of the parts of the cross. So it's big ass parking lots around this building. Parking lots that they probably wouldn't zone to have if they if this wasn't such an old building. Like they wouldn't zone that much parking lot, bitch. No, Atlanta's not giving up that much real estate. But this building had been around long enough, I think since the 60s or 70s. So this building has been around a while. And I'm sure there's a lot of stories that I can't even encapsulate. I can only speak for my time because I watched it. I was, I thankfully moved down here in its heyday. And I watched, I lived to see it decline and then get to the place where they wanted to gentrify it. 
but it just it was too ratchet to gentrify. <laughs> and then they so, ended up so tell us like like how did it decline? Like what like what was the team with that? So the decline was the police. It got to the point where you were living in a police state. It just was physically uncomfortable to live. They had guards, police presence in the building, police checking your ID, your tray getting arrested for weed in the parking lot. It's just, it got to the point where my man, he would always get stopped all the time coming in the building. Mind you, he's on the lease. You know, he, he but it's just the point. He was a black male and there was this large white cop presence because it's Buckhead. So now it's, let's keep this element in this building contained. So it just became so oppressive. And then this is around the time too, where Buckhead began to start becoming very transphobic, where the um, where the neighborhood community board decided that they were gonna have an active campaign to get trans, particularly black trans women out of Buckhead because they didn't want the sex worker presence. Um, and because of that, they actually tried to come up with a law, like a legal, like a, a real, they tried to put forth a law to get um, trans women, if you got arrested for prostitution in that area, you would be banned from not even just but from living in that area, but also being in that area. You being in Buckhead or Midtown would be a crime if you had been convicted of, and these were minor, like these weren't crimes, these were crimes like jaywalking, Island and loitering, crimes like prostitution. They were trying to make it to where those crimes, if you were a quote unquote, what they call a multiple time offender, you could be banned from that area. And now mind you, this is the gayborhood. This is the safe space in Atlanta. This is also, like I said earlier, where all of the medical providers are. This is where all of their services are. So you would essentially be telling these trans women, and that's okay, what we can't help you in the city of Atlanta for your medical care. Because if we catch you get off this bus, in this area of known prostitution where your health clinic is, you could go to jail just from being there. And then the um, community board had these aggressive tactics like they would have people riding in their trucks and they would take pictures of the girls walking up the street and they would put it up in the gas station. If you got clocked in Midtown and they had got people that would harass you out of the car, we don't want you here. What are you doing? You need to get out of our neighborhood. It was one guy that was particularly aggressive. And my trans mother was very active in the movement to try to like get the board to stop that. But anyway, because of my involvement with my trans mother, we helped create this program called the Pre-Arrest Diversion Initiative. And it was an answer to what they were trying to do with that law. So we got the law, we got the, the law to not happen. You know, we made enough noise, we did enough protesting. But for me, that was one of the first initiatives that I felt was my big success because I was a part of the initial, original founding theory committee for Solutions Not Punishments Coalition, which helped develop pre-arrest diversion initiative, the answer to this, 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 what it, this intended bad legislation and the way we were being treated in Midtown. So it ended particularly because of the police and the white community association having a problem with black and brown trans folk being in Midtown. Yeah, that kind of sounds similar to Bulk. So when I really got into my activism work, the black trans women used to, so I don't remember black trans women living in a building, but we did occupy specific neighborhoods. So before, we used to live in Mount Vernon, which was the LGBT area, uh, like back in the 90s. But from what I heard, we gradually got pushed up until we were in um, the neighborhood now known as Charles Village. So Charles Village is like north, is north, is like directly north of downtown. And, and it's like three main streets that like between like North Avenue and 25th Street that the girls make their change on. But as the area has gentrified over the years, a lot of the white residents have tried to create these campaigns to push the sex workers out of the community. And then there was uh, like a couple, well, not even a couple years ago, about 10 years ago, there were talks about Walmart opening a location in that area. So in order to like attract Walmart, they were really trying to be aggressive to push the sex workers out of the community. And it just, it just, I wanted to bring this piece in to 
connect how like even we as black trans women especially those of us in poverty or those of us that we live around each other how we're also impacted by and gentrification and really these anti-black sex worker laws that target us and seek to criminalize us and it, it happens in every city like in my personal opinion i feel like in every major city with black people there's also an area with black trans women whether they making their change or whether they live together and i even know and i would never so there's row houses in Charles Village that you can live and um, get an apartment. Bitch, I would never move to Charles Village, bitch, because you're not going to be able to keep a man, bitch, living in Charles Village. Because there's girls in Charles Village day and motherfucking night. Same. Same for this area that I'm talking about. And like, what I didn't, what was so really, what was really sad what has been the saddest thing about my experience in Atlanta is watching all of the hallmarks of my time here being erased. So I've been here now coming up on 17, 18 years, 19 years. No, 2000, yeah, 2023 will be, oh wow, I'm old. Bitch. 20 years? Yeah, it'll be 20 years. And for me, I just, I watched this city come from something that was kind of a lot of a lot of urban decay, particularly in the areas around the West End and even parts of Buckhead, like going towards, there's now where a big Walmart is, like you said, over here in Atlanta, you know, in Atlanta off of Howell Mill, that's not really wet, that's not really Buckhead, but it's not far from that area, it's kind of like Howell Mill downtown, all in this like area. I watched all of this city kind of unravel and become something that looks like it was designed to attract white young professionals. Um, That's how I feel about Baltimore now. And the soul is gone. So it's like Atlanta's moving off of the reputation of being this bumping city. And it is, if you like going to shopping plazas and if you like you know, eating gourmet coffee and drinking gourmet coffee and eating crumpets and paying a lot of money for burgers and you know like artists and burgers and shit if you like living a kind of a yuppie kind of a lifestyle then yeah you'll love this city if this is a great city for if you want to but like the gayness the black gay people it's so many black gay people here but because of what has happened to Buckhead and the cultural institutions these clubs that used to represent us we're we've lost all of that gay history even though this is the gayest city in the country that black gay history gone and that's painful for me yeah i feel the same i was just telling somebody in baltimore all of like the the queer bars even the white ones gone the our um lgbt um neighborhood mount Ver mount vernon bitches nothing but white straight people white straight couples and babies okay they turn one of the club the hippo into this a cbs now and it's just like it's like the culture is just stripped away and like that's why it's important for us to share these stories for people to know that we existed we were together these were our spaces because if we don't tell these stories then how, how are the how are the young ones going to remember exactly um, no but i i love every time we talk about the darlingtons i I love the the joy that you have about the stories and just like I y'all everybody that talks about the Darlings now I didn't want to live there but I wish I could have been adjacent and just like caught a whiff or been in the parking lot or I think it was called street. Brookhaven Forest or Brook Forest something you wanted to live in those kind of bougie apartments next door right you know I need I need to live something like away from the girls because I bitch I don't want my piece that's for me. Intercepted by another one of the girls because I know how the trade is. I mean, they'll do, they'll have the girl and still come to you. No, like, mind you, to the point where, to the point where I was to the point where I've known girls that put up popular known girls' name in the building and put up just a different room number. So I'm going to use your whole ad, but I'm going to just put a different, <laughs> I'm going to just, I'm going to put up a whole new phone number. So when the trade comes, they're coming to the same building that everybody knows you to live in. <laughs> 
<clears throat> you just gonna come to this other unit. And then when she's not there, when she don't show up, I'm gonna say, oh, she didn't show up, but I'm her friend. I can, you know, and, and the trade nine times out of 10, who's come all this way, come through this building, went past this, these front office, got in the elevator, you know, this front lobby, got in the elevator, came up. By the time he get to your door, honey, and you, you're a transsexual, that's all he really needed. Like, <laughs> like I have seen, like I said, I've had trade come to the building. I saw, I literally, I'm outside. Okay. Well, see if you can get in downstairs. Cause you still had to have a car to get in the building. See if you can get in downstairs. He's like, all right, all right, all right. I'm coming up. And then I never hear from him again. So no one would you know now if you had the opportunity to live in the building with the girls or even live in a housing community with the girls, would you do it? I have a husband um, and we have a <laughs> So this is a moot point. But if I were single and it was an availability, no. <laughs> no. So um, with, with the husband, with that kind husband, of closeness, no. and I know that, and unfortunately, a lot of this, it wasn't a very safe environment. Like it was fun in my twenties. That was a fun place to be as a grown ass woman with nice shit that I don't want to leave me. You know, a trash can. I mean, the Dollarton gives you very trash bag lifestyle. Any, I have just enough to bet trash bag up and mash. You know what I'm saying? Whereas now I've got furniture and shit, bitch. I could never live in a communal environment. Not with not saying that the girls would steal, but the trade that the girls tend to attract would rob me blind. And so, bitch, no. No. Right. So shout out to the Darlingtons, what they were, what they represented, the spirit of the girls that kept the Darlingtons running. And now our audience and our listeners know about that that gemstone from would you say old Atlanta? Um, yeah, old Atlanta, twenty years old, twenty years ago. That's old Atlanta. That's definitely old Atlanta. And I will say this, guys, for those of you who are listening right now, if you have your Darlington story, we do have um, a segment that we've been trying to build out for you guys to be able to write in with your stories, your questions, your comments, your your inner and your interjections. Particularly for those of you who are listening to this on Patreon, this is a great opportunity for you to write in with your Darlington story. So if you or a loved one have ever lived in the Darlington and been exposed to the shenanigans and the excitement. This will be a great opportunity for you to write in and we will share your story because the Darlington stories, that could be its own segment by itself. Because like I said, I'm just not telling stories that I don't have permission to tell because I have friends that listen. <laughs> but baby, there are some stories to tell about the Darlington. And if you are a loved one half, definitely write in and tell us. And send those stories to box number five so podcast at gmail.com. The link is in our short show notes for the podcast. Also, speaking of our email, we are coming up on our first year anniversary of the podcast. <laughs> <next> <laughs> month in March. And we will we will definitely have a one-year anniversary show. And I think we can announce it now, hosted by Amani Van Zat. Uh, which we're excited about. She's going to be hosting the show. But we would like you, our listeners, to tell us how you've been impacted by Box Number 5 Soul Podcast over the year. Whether you like about it, what's your favorite show, what moved you, or what don't, what don't you like. Just write it into the show because uh, we want to do something where we write it into the show or send us a 30-second a 30 to 60 second video clip and we'll include it in the show. Uh, you can send those to, again to back summer five so podcast at gmail.com. You want to send those in early. I think the cutoff date is before March 15th. I'm not sure about that, but she want to send those in and we can just collect them and then include them in our show. But girl, can you believe we're coming up on a year? I cannot. It has been a wonderful year, a year you know, I will say, you know, they say the first year in any business is the, is the hardest year. And if this has been the hardest year, then we have great many years to come. What I did learn uh, in this process is 
that I do have the capacity to do something with a sister. I think the biggest fear in my life was that we would engage in business and that somehow or somehow, excuse me, our sisterhood would be negatively impacted. And while we have had our moments where we've had to maybe troubleshoot around miscommunication, we've never had what I was in fear of, which is this drying up of our affection for one another. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just want to say I'm excited. I, this journey has been wonderful. Um, I've learned a lot about myself. Um, this is quite a sharing podcasting, more than I really ever imagined. Like there's a part of me that is very, very private, that is very, very um, image conscious, that is very, very, um, I like to present myself in a certain way. This process has, has forced me to, y'all are in my home. You're in my life. Y'all are a part of my life. There are stories that I've told on this podcast that I've updated. I can hear myself growing. I can hear my down days and my up days. I can hear yours as well, Brian. Um, I love that people have had an opportunity to witness our relationship and our growth as women. I love that, particularly for you, you've done, you know, all the way from practice, you know, from finishing up school, taking law exams, moving cross country, starting a new gig, all of that has been in this year. And then it's also been COVID and like the world changing. It's just been crazy. And I couldn't have picked a better co-host and here's so many more years to come. And I know we're going to say a lot more of this when we do our actual episode, but right. it's amazing, amazing to say that I've done this business with my friend and I do believe that we're going to be stronger because of it. Right. And I believe we're making an impact. Like, even those of y'all who don't write in, I know y'all are still listening and um, getting something from our episodes. And I just want to continue creating this community because it's our voices needed. Our, vo our voices needed. Like, I definitely feel like we have our own niche. We feel a void. And I feel like we are good. We are good at what we do. And, and you know what I feel like? I think we inspired some folk this year. Shout out to the podcast that um, I feel like this was a great year in Black trans content. Creators have come and they've, they've developed. But I would like to say, and I want to take um, credit a bit, that I think that we have in a lot for a lot of people raise the standard on what people are expecting from trans voices in media in the sense that I think you and I are two very strong voices that could have separately, you know, done our separate things. But we, we've come together in a way that has made us a very powerful force. And we've had speaking engagements. You've had the opportunity to write for magazines and online media. You know, we've, I've had speaking engagements. Like, and then more importantly, like you said, our fame, I really do feel like, and I'm going to take a little credit. I feel like not only have we impacted our fans and we really, really have a loyal, loyal following of subscribers. I never thought that people would want to pay a monthly subscription to hear me speak. You know, like we just be talking, girl. Like this is literally right. me and my sister's cell phone conversations live. This is not something that we have to force this isn't a relationship where we have to have like these long in-depth conversations to get on the same page. Like right. we're legit friends in our legit lives, sharing our real live point of view for you in real time. And that's a powerful experience. And shout out to, like I said, our fans and our subscribers, but also it's just amazing watching you grow as a woman on this podcast and having this evidence of my friend like on this glow up you know, and watching the highs and lows in between, but we're going to have a wonderful record of our life going forward, and that I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited that we actually have something that is a, out in the world, out in the atmosphere that people can, you know, start from episode one and just go up and just see how we have evolved as women and how we're taking on new challenges and just how we're trying to be better and stretch ourselves and 
um, take risks and not really knowing what's around the corner, but walking on faith, walking on faith. That's what, if, if anybody, if, if anybody doesn't get anything else from our podcast, I just hope that you get the strength to walk out on faith. Um, and it don't have to look perfect. I think sometimes, particularly for those of us that have 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 lived our lives in defiance of other people's nose, we uh, and and you haven't necessarily been empowered in your life that your voice matters and that you have the capacity to just do what you want to do without having all this money. We started this podcast just me and her with a dream and our laptops, not knowing nothing about editing, not nothing about putting shit together, not knowing nothing about how to do this what it would look like. We just started talking. And I want you guys to know out there that have this idea or that may think that you want to enter this conversation. We want as many trans voices to enter this media as possible. And if we can walk so that others can run, then that is our life full circle. That is to me what legacy looks like. As in, if neither one of us are necessarily in this for the money, but if somebody under the sound of our voices right now listening to this podcast, can hear our passion and hear what we're talking about. And even if you disagree, we want you to then go on and add your voice to the voices, the cacophony of voices that are now speaking on, on behalf of trans lives and tell your point of view. I love that there are dissenting opinions. I love that there are people that listen to our show that don't live for us, but they still hear our point of view almost as if we're another news source that they want to hear from. Right. So for those of you out there, if you have a dream, if you have a vision, if you have a plan, just do it. Don't wait for no perfect moment in your life for shit to happen. You have to grab life by the horns and just do it. The details will work themselves out. Even if you put a few bullshit videos or episodes out or you don't like your voice and you don't like this. And we, we would have conversations where we would be like, okay, we're getting into the swing of things now. You know, I'm going to do this and then you're going to do that. And just, just, just do it. Like, don't wait for some magical point in your life to come because it's not going to come. If you stand on faith and you trust your, you trust that God has given you a gift to an or ability to have influence and you want to share your voice, share it because this is the time they are curious and we have to grab these, these cis hat folks that are so curious about us now. We need to grab their ears and really, really let them know what's going on since you want to come over here and see how glamorous we are. While we're here, here's our analysis. And we want you to do the same. Right. And also, I want to give a shout out to Miss Mariah Moore, one of the uh, co-leaders and co-founders of House of Tulip. Yesterday, she announced that she is running for city council count, um, district D in New Orleans. So Ooh. we definitely... To, uh, lift her up. I definitely want to see more Black trans women in politics. Uh, particularly because that's I don't want to do it. That's not my calling, but I, lo I love to see us get out there and make it there and just take the risk. Take the You never know how the universe is going to come and reward you. I want to I want to see Black city council members in New Orleans, Atlanta, Charlotte, Baltimore. I want to see a Black trans mayor. Like, I like. I want to see these things and we, we can definitely do, I want to see black state representatives and um, house of representatives and like, bitch, now is our time. Now is our time, bitch. Not only is the attention on black people, everybody's trying to do these diversity initiatives. The attention is also on us as black trans people. So we have to take advantage of the shit while while it lasts. Cause once this wave is over, oh, we don't know when the, we don't know when it's gonna come back to we don't know when the sun is gonna come back to us again. Exactly, exactly. And let's not let's not take for granted. And this is something that's really, really real. Never before in our lifetime have people been so fast in my lifetime, and even before have mainstream media been so fascinated with us. So for those content creators out there right now. It's not so much that your goal should be to try to be that girl, but join the voices of the girl so that when they're listening to about what we're interested in as a community, now that they see we're marketable, now that they see that we're, you know, that we're intelligent, now that they see, when they're listening to the sea of voices out there, we want to make sure that they know that there's diversity, even in our trans experience. Pose is just one part of the trans experience. 
um, you know, my stories about the Darlington, Brianna's stories about her dating life, my stories about my marriages and my, and my life. These are all part of the trans experience, but those stories aren't often getting told. And we know some of you out there have your stories that are not getting told because mainstream media doesn't know how to access that story. So start sharing your story, start putting it out there because what we do know is, is while we have this lens, we need to jump on it because it will shift. Because like anything else, when we're no longer the hottest, newest shit, when it starts becoming a little more normal and, and it's not so much of a taboo or a leading story when a rapper gets found with us, they're going to cast us to the side. And while we have their voice, we also need to remind them that our lives matter. Our lives matter and we're being killed. And that also is what I want to make sure that it's in that voice. But it doesn't matter. If you're a girl out here and you're a sex worker and you want to do stories about stories from the block, bitch. If you are uh, somebody, a girl out here and you in the hustle, you hustling and you doing what you got to do. If you've had a lifetime of it, if you've ever been incarcerated and you want to tell that story, we want to show diversity. I think too, sometimes, particularly in the past when transness was trying to become respectable, there was a certain image, a certain passability, a certain, you know, um, um, standard or whatever. I love now that the internet has allowed things to become more egalitarian and with anyone being able to just pick up their phone and be on a live, we're all content creators. And I love that it is, it's shown, it shows so much more diversity in the girls. But for those of us out here that have an analysis, I do like it. Shout out to Miambi. Um, Shout out to um, Marsha's Play, Diamond Collier. Shout out to all of the other content creators that I think I disagree with sometimes and I agree with sometimes. I listed two different ones, but I but, but the point is, is they're different analysis, but we all at the end of the day are trying to get to the same goal of humanizing the Black trans experience. And I just feel like box number 512 is one of what would hopefully be many beautiful gems that will spring out of this new renaissance. That is come. That is for the for the gay and LGBT community. Yes. So on that note, I think we have definitely done a show. Yeah. Um, so we're going to try to coordinate a date to get y'all the bonus episode this month. And also, if you have suggestions for other bonus episodes y'all want us to do, let us know. But um, so let's take us out of here. So, 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 ladies, gentlemen, and all in between, and they're, they're not a part of the spectrum, we thank you for tuning in to Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. This episode is a series of episodes and what will hopefully be a long journey here at Box Number 512 Podcast. We thank you for all of your love and support and all of your patronage. Thank you for our patrons on Patreon. And we ask that you just continue to support us as we go forward and expand our brand. Shout out to those of you who are actively engaging on our Instagram, our Facebook, and our YouTube pages. We love you and we thank you. And going forward, we're just excited that you can sit with us, two Black trans women having grown Black trans women talk weekly. Thank you for tuning in. This has been another episode of Box number 512 podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. And I am one of your co-hosts, The Lioness. And I'm Aeon. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box number 512 podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. And don't forget to become a patron on the Box number 512 Patreon page, where we have all new exclusive content. And also, don't forget to follow us on our social media, on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. And also, become a subscriber on our YouTube page. Until next time, bye. bye.